This is UKFI Pod. Welcome, y'all. As the first UK specific FI podcast, UKFI Pod aims to bring you stories and introduce you to characters in the UKFI space. Hi, welcome, everybody. I'm really happy today to introduce to you the fire starter, Andy. Hi, Andy. Hi there. Hi there, it's great to have you with us today. Would you like to do a quick self-introduction to the audience? So I've been writing the Firestarter blog for about five years now. I've uh, been aware of financial independence for about six years as a concept and obviously got really into it and decided to start my blog a year into that. I am 37 years old. I have a child and a wife. I live in the southeast of England. I work in London, so I guess fairly fairly high wage compared to some of the country but probably not not very actually that good compared to other people what other people can earn in London I'd say in terms of my blogging stuff I'm, I'm probably a bit more chilled out on the sort of frugality front and um, other stuff like that compared to like Mr Money Mustache and things like that yeah uh, so I'm just sort of like a normal bloke trying to achieve fire that's yeah. it really I love that about your blog it's great how You've been blogging for so many years and you can see like your progress throughout the years. One incredible thing, obviously, when you start off on your journey, you've, you've, you've got no idea how long it's going to take or what your progress is going to look like. And yeah, recently gone over the five year mark and looking back, it's um, I, I mean, I didn't even realise really until I look back and you, you sort of think, wow, I have have actually come quite a long way sort of thing. I mean, obviously, markets have been got a strong wind behind the back in the last five years. So that's going to help. But you know, a lot of it has just come from saving money as well. So, yeah, that's been great. Great. So as we're an FI podcast, it'd be great if we could talk about the money, first of all. And I know you share quite no, detailed information on your blog, so I assume you're open yeah, to talking about... Absolutely not a problem. So, yeah, as I said, uh got a fairly good income, but not like at stratospheric sort of thing. So my base pay is about 40k. But it's probably worth mentioning I am already working part time for for anyone that didn't know. So that's based on like roughly, I think I worked out something like 72% of full time hours I work. I think a a normal full time worker would work 260 days and I work 72% of that. I can't, I don't even know how many days that is. But yeah, that's how much I work. Yeah, and I get 40k for that. And every year we get, we normally get a bonus. I've never not had a bonus, but you know, there's always. It's 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 never guaranteed, obviously. And in, ter- uh, in terms of like historical, I would say I didn't really have a great income until about five years ago. Ironically, it was I think it was like my fifth blog post was about getting a good pay rise, sort of thing. So I started off the blog thinking I was on sort of thirty five k a year or something like that, and that that was working full time as well. So you know, thirty five k a year full time five years later I'm on 40k and I'm only doing part-time work so you know it has gone up a bit but like you say you know that's obviously before tax so there's plenty of people in London earning six figures so you know I could theoretically earn more but I just don't so. Cool and I love the way you've decided to work part-time is there a particular reason is that for spend time with your child or? Uh, Yeah it was well actually it's funny uh, yeah it started off as uh, I was just a bit disillusioned with work. This is why I got into FI and was obviously just thinking, right, five-year plan, save as much as I can, you know, get the hell out of there and then do what I want, you know, like contract work or whatever, and, and just essentially buy some of my time back. Mm-hmm. But about, I don't know, like a year or two into it, really, I was like, well, I've got a bit of money behind me. I'm I'm getting really stressed out with, with work at the moment. So I kind of just told them I wanted to leave and but would they have me part-time and they initially said no so I was like right fine I'm just going to leave then but it was going to ramp down over six months so it was going to be sort of quite a long ramp down Mm -hmm. if that's even a concept just so I could like sort myself out what I was going to do I was going to either maybe try my own business or try some freelance work like contracting work and stuff like that but yeah anyway it got about two months down the line and I pretty much started myself and thinking am I doing the right thing this that and the other and it it just turned it sort of something happened in my favor we just started working in a slightly different way at work so I just went back to them and said because originally like the part-time thing was going to be say 
three days a week or four days a week and it just wouldn't have worked very well and I admitted that at the time but anyway we we'd started doing things called sprints which if you're in anything to do with tech you'll you'll know what that is it's just it just means you do work in sort of period periods of time like one week or two week but and they just call it sprints for some reason but anyway because we were doing that I said look I could do two sprints on one sprint off or something like that and then I'm actually like doing a really big it's like a I'm like a mini contractor like I'm doing a chunk of work for you and then just getting two weeks off at the end of that Uh, and yeah luckily for me they went for it and um, here we are sort of probably two or three years later Uh, so yeah coming back to your original question about was it about spending time with my child it wasn't because she didn't exist back then so originally I was sort of like sweet I'm going to play get to play some golf I'm going to write my blog and really catch up on everything I'm going to sort of like learn loads of new stuff I'm going to I'm a computer computer programmer so I was like I'm going to start doing my own projects and stuff like that yeah so it turned out sort of my wife got pregnant pretty much as soon as I I actually went part-time and then I spent the rest of the nine months doing up the house in uh, sort of um, any time I had off I was like doing up the kitchen and the bathroom and stuff like that ready for the baby and then the baby came and then you know what time is just spent with her um and that's been great yeah it's it's been really sort of lucky that I got that not even really thinking about that and then it turned out to be absolutely brilliant that I could spend more time with her so yeah yeah it sounds like it's all working out perfectly for you have you no regret yeah I mean nothing's perfect obviously yeah but yeah it doesn't solve all your problems, obviously, but yeah, you know, it's every time I think about it, I sort of like I I realise I'm really lucky, and especially like we know a lot of other parents as well. So yeah, sort of you know talking to other dads who are like always at work and stuff like that, and I'm sort of like oh, I've got two weeks off to spend with a kid, and I'm not rubbing their nose in it, but it's sort of like it's just what I'm doing. So I admit I'm every time I say to them like I'm so lucky, and yeah, kind of feel sorry for them really because. You know, I'm sure I'm sure they wish they had more time off as well. Yeah, I, I, I do like working part time. Like, it's not like um, that's the whole thing with FI. I think is most of us don't want to ever just completely stop working. It's just about be- way better work life balance. Obviously, if, you, if you're fully FI, you can just do what you want. So you know, you can if for three months you just decide you don't want to do anything productive, that's fine. If you want to sort of create your own business or you know. Yeah, start if you if you hadn't started a blog yet, you could start your blog, or you could just be an Etsy seller, or you know, just make stuff if you like making stuff, paint stuff. You know, you can do what you want, and um, if you end up making money out of it, it's absolutely brilliant. And if you don't, you don't. It doesn't matter. Like you're 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 fully uh, financially independent, so that's fine. So I'm sort of like skimming that line between. Obviously, I'm I'm nowhere near financially independent, but I've got parts of that lifestyle already built into my life. And, you know, going back to work is not, I thought it was going to be like really bad. Like, you know, if you have a long holiday, like a month long holiday and you go back and it's, it's rubbish because you know, you've got, they've got to work for like six months solid because you've used up all your holiday. Whereas if I have two weeks off and then I'm, I'm going in back into work, I'm like, well, I've only got work another six or seven weeks and then I've got another two weeks off. So it's pretty good to be honest. It's, um normally i'm quite raring to go back to work after a bit of a break yeah so here's a question about how would you describe financial independence to a newbie somebody that didn't know about it yeah so that's, that's a good question the technical definition i would say which is probably a bit boring is saving up 25 times your annual expenses in income producing investments so that you theoretically never have to work again and they say 25 because of the four percent rule which is what your investment should safely give you in income without actually depleting your stash as people like to call it i think it's that is like the technical definition of full fi but yeah like i say i I think there's shades of gray there and um i think just saving up money and having options is is pretty key it's a bit pretty key to the uh the mindset there yeah so where would you say you are on the journey at the moment yep so as I say, I'm about six years into it. It was since I first discovered the concept. Quite a funny story, really. I was, I was googling uh, comedy mustaches to buy one for my mom. Really? Yeah, she loves a she loves a comedy mustache. Okay. Why was your mom wanting a mustache? Or? She just 
she's a strange woman, but yeah, obviously I love her. But and she just thinks mustaches are really funny. So I just thought I'll buy it. I'll buy her some. So I was googling that. I, I can't remember. I think I literally just googled comedy mustache buy or something like that. And I think the second or third link was this website called Mr. Money Mustache. And I was like, well, that's a hilariously named website. Got to click on it. Clicked on it. And obviously it was something completely different to what I thought it was going to be. And it had the word retire early in it. And I was like, wow, this this sounds great. Uh, yeah, just I think I just read like the whole blog in about two weeks. And I was like, just instantly hooked on it. So yeah, anyway, that was an aside. I thought it was quite a funny story of how I, how I discovered it. So that's six years ago. I'm now 37. My spreadsheets tell me I, if I keep up this, or sorry, I should say, if we keep up the same savings rate as we are, we will be, I should say we, because I do all our figures together, we will be projected to be FI at, well, I will be 55. So I worked out that the whole thing would be 24 years and it was six years in. So about 25% of the way there. Yeah. And that's with working part time. That's amazing yeah i mean it's like there's so many ifs and buts in there i can't see myself staying at this company for that long i mean i've, I've been there 14 years already so i re- i honestly can't see it lasting that long I, I also get the feeling that they'll probably just get fed up with the arrangement sooner or later because i'm the only one at the company doing it it does cause them a little bit of bother so yeah i, I don't think that's going to happen so but I like to say there's plenty of other options. Like if I leave that, I could take a bit of time off, or um, which I probably would do. But then I could go contracting or something like that. So every t- person I speak to who's ever done contracting says it's like amazing. You get paid loads of money and you can take half a year off essentially. So it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, you've got lots of options there. Yeah. Yeah. So do you believe financial independence is suitable for everyone? Yeah, this is an interesting question because I. I listened to a couple of the other podcasts that you've done and I think the general feeling is when anyone gets asked this question is everyone's like really sort of bullish on it and they're sort of like yeah everyone's gonna if everyone could do it like we you know we'll all be living in this amazing world and stuff like that I think in theory it is for everyone but I think in practice not everyone could do it it's just clearly obvious to me like I don't know whether this is a secret that you know people don't want to say because then if you say that people don't want to read their blogs because they're like oh not everyone can do it but you know i think m- most of the people reading these blogs can obviously do it because they're interested in it and they're receptive to the message so obviously i'm not saying that i'm not saying don't read these blogs i'm just saying if you look at the general populace not everyone can earn enough to <laughs> and to save up 25 times their expenses in a short amount of time or even like 20 years or whatever however obviously the general principles of try not to spend uh, more than you earn and stuff like that is is definitely for everyone i just don't believe that it is theoretically possible for everyone to become fi in a in a short amount of time or even before normal retirement yeah, age that's realistic <laughs> and truthful like most people that say anybody could do have an awful lot of buts and conditions and their answer is that people would have to yeah. change their life significantly, be willing to compromise, put themselves out there, break barriers. And yeah, like you say, not, uh, just not, uh, not, I mean, a certain amount of people are always going to be interested in that. I, I just think at least 50% of people are just, are just not bothered. Like they're, they're happy to just follow the herd and stuff like that. So, and that, that's the whole point, you know, like humans are like that. They, they're, you know, it's, it's genetics and all that sort of thing where they've just learnt, uh, over the years our genes say to follow the herd because if you don't follow the herd or the the tribe it should be called not the herd really then you know you get outcast and you die so that's sort of really built into us so there's just not going to be a large amount of the population that can go right I'm just going to do the complete opposite of what everyone else is doing because I've looked at it from first principles and this is actually the best thing to do they're just going to do what everyone else is doing and, and what advertising tells them to do, which is buy a load of shit, basically. So <laughs> so you're saying uh, that some people will, but it's not for everyone. Yeah, I guess that is an easy way to yeah. sum it up. So if somebody was one of these rare creatures that was interested in FI, what advice would you give them? Would you give the same advice to newbies and people that are more advanced? Or Yeah, I mean, in terms of like, if you've never heard of FI and you've just heard of it and you were like, what do I do? 
to start off with, like, so if you just wanted some bullet point practical advice, I'd just say start tracking your expenses or budget, whatever works for you. You know, you've got to do one thing or the other, really. You've got to know where your money's going one way or the other. So either budget up front and try and stick to it, or what I do is just track expenses and then, you know, at least you know where your, your money's going then and you can try and make changes for the better sort of thing. Second one, the obvious one is, you know, switch all your utilities to the cheapest thing, cheapest provider, like your electricity, gas, phone bills, all that sort of thing, and cancel any other sort of monthly outgoings that, you know, you don't provide you any value. So that could be, you know, your Sky bill, Sky TV bill that's 100 quid a month or something like that. You know, you could cancel that and get Netflix instead. You know, I'm not saying I'm not one of these people that's like, never watch TV or anything like that or cancel everything. Like if you really think Sky TV is worth a hundred pound a month and you can't live without it, crack on with it. But, you know, be aware that there are plenty of other options for getting TV and stuff like that for a lot cheaper at the end of the day and, and do research on that and, and then make a decision based on all those facts. So yeah, definitely sort of scrutinize all your monthly outgoings that are sort of like direct debits and things like that. Cause that's a lot of where people's money just gets thrown down the drain and they're not even thinking about it because it's, it's automatically coming out of their bank account. Next one would be to, if you are buying stuff like consumer stuff or furniture and, and things for your house and things like that, which, you know, are needed, people need stuff in their house. I'd say try to buy things secondhand, you know, like find a quality secondhand version of the thing you want. Or if not, you know, buy a quality item, you know, maybe not, you know, not best of the best. Don't just go for like Apple everything just because it's expensive, but buy something quality and buy something that will last. So again, that doesn't really apply to phones because they just go obsolete in two years anyway. But, you know, with things like you say furniture, kitchen items, washing machines, I don't know, whatever, like just just try to buy something that is actually half decent, not just bargain basement that's going to break in two years. Um, in terms of investments, I would say open an ISA and or SIP, whatever. Try and get one with some low expenses. It's just read the Monovator website if you want to sort of uh, look into that sort of stuff. I would personally invest in a world tracker fund like Vanguard All World ETF. Worth pointing out at this point, I'm not a financial advisor, so. You know, that's not an advice to actually do that, but it's just what I do and um, it could work for you as well. Third thing, I sorry, fourth thing I would say, fourth main point would say is if your income is not too high, try to go for some side hustles. Yeah, unless you really cut down on your expenses, it's hard to get any sort of high savings rate. So, you know, I've kind of gone down that route as well. My income's okay, but if you split over myself and my wife, I'd joint income is not that high for two people because she's mostly looking after my daughter which was you know a decision we made together because childcare cost is ridiculous so it just worked out better and I think obviously for my daughter and my wife to spend far more time together than just farm her out to some childcare person and then my wife has to go out and work and yada 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 so uh, yeah anyway we decided to um, do that and I am sort of hustling hard on the side to um, get some extra income on top of my main work income. I'm still going to talk, keep talking. I know you haven't said anything for ages, but less practical advice to anyone getting into it. I would say, remember life's about the journey. You know, enjoy the ride. Don't just focus on this sort of remote point of te- even, you know, even if it's 10 years away, that's, that's a really short journey to financial independence. In, for most people but that's 10 years of your life you know you've got to enjoy it I don't see the point in you know just sticking out with a job even if it was high paid if you really hate it for 10 years like you can make changes to live the life you want a lot quicker than that you could just maybe do that for two years get a bit of money behind you then start making changes straight away and either transition to do a new job or you know just quit for a bit and you know, try your hand at, you know, whatever you want, really, you could be an entrepreneur or go contracting, try some part time work, you know, what I've done, you know, there's so many things you can do that don't involve just slogging it away for 10 years. So I'd bear that in mind. And yeah, know that sort of the, the money is there 
to to create options and you can exercise those options way before you actually reach full in full financial independence that's awesome and some really great advice there going in starting at the beginning on the expenses and the tracking and going to the end of what you really want your life to be like cheers i felt like i spoke for far too long then before you said anything but i didn't want to interrupt you were going so well no yeah i went on a mini rant there sorry about that <laughs> rants are good <laughs> i do love a good rant yeah so here's a one that i don't know if we get where you are on environment and sustainability i wrestle with this internally quite a lot uh, i've written a few quite a few posts about it over the years as well i mean obviously i support like sort of like environmental causes i, I, re- I really sort of i read a lot about climate change and all you know pl- the plastic problem and all that sort of thing and you know it, it does really worry me deep down like obviously i've now got a child who's going to be growing up in the world and you know I've got to think about the world she's going to inhabit sort of thing from our generation um so yeah I absolutely do think about it a lot um I'm a bit of a sort of environmentalist really like I think about it a lot and it worries me a lot but I kind of just I don't really do that much do you know what I mean like I do small things such as you know I use a hanky rather than use tissues and things like that. Any sort of like small thing that's easy for me, like for using something sustainable rather than something that's like use once and throw it away, I will do. But anything that's like slightly hard, like, you know, you go to the supermarket, everything is in throwaway plastic. Like that's basically it. Pretty much everything is anyway, you know, meat and stuff like that. If you really want to go to if you want to like get rid of that sort of plastic sort of stuff you've got to take your own cut pots you've got to go to the meat counter or you've got to go to a local butchers which almost don't exist anymore you know it's it's a lot of effort just to sort of avoid these sort of things it's a bit of a cop-out but I've sort of over the years I've just come to the conclusion that it shouldn't really be up to me it should be up to the government and the companies that create this pollution mm-hmm. sort of thing to um to just sort out themselves really i mean obviously as consumers we can put pressure on them you know i'm happy to like sign any petitions that say ban plastic and you know start doing the right thing to companies and you know having a go at companies that are doing the wrong thing absolutely do all that sort of stuff how much how much impact that makes i don't know but you know i'm going to do it anyway because again it's something easy to do but yeah i think you know like the government you know they they did the plastic bag thing with the 5p it's great on plastic bags yeah and it's reduced it low so i just think like they just need to do that but on like 10 times more things than that and if they just did it a year you know you might get a few people moaning about it oh government have done this government have done that i think like in one or two years time people are just going to forget about all of that and it will just be the new way of doing things is no plastic or you know or hardly any plastic sort of thing um and i, I just think um it should come from the top, really. I think they, not that they should tell us how to live, like we should t- tell them, you know, what we want. They should put the rules in place and then it sort of almost forces the companies to to create their products in, in sustainable ways. Otherwise, they're just not going to do it, I don't think. Yeah, so that's interesting. So you're wanting to go from the governance approach rather than the consumers driving it. Yeah, I, I, well, no, I, I tell you what, I mean, I think it should be from both sides, obviously. I think uh, I think it should be consumer-orientated, but I just don't, there's no choice. Like, if you go to Tesco's, fair enough, there is probably a fish and a meat counter, but it's just a pain in the, pain in the bum to do that. I mean, there's got to be a way to create meat and, well, maybe not meat because obviously that is, <laughs> that is very bad for the environment, as, as we've been told on on many occasions but you know so in terms of that i suppose consumers have got to make the um choice to not eat as much meat or just not eat meat and be a vegan whatever so definitely that's a consumer side thing you know you can't force people to not eat meat that's fine but in terms of the packaging and stuff like that you know you i've I've received things from amazon and it's like a tiny little thing and the box is like 20 times the size of it and it's full of like plastic chips and stuff like that 
you know that that sort of thing should just be not allowed basically and it, it's not even in the um interest of the the company i don't think because surely that costs a lot of money to to actually package an item in that way i just i just don't really understand that at all that sort of thing that's that's the sort of thing that really annoys me it's like blatant waste and yeah sort of like you just sort of think i don't understand why that is happening and i think they've approached it from a strictly economic point of view and efficiency it's more efficient to set boxes and fill them up yeah yeah no yeah true yeah i've not really thought about it in that that term yeah that does make sense and uh, i the other thing i always thought is that they don't want people they, if anything gets damaged like obviously they'll get the the product back and it has to be sent back and stuff that sort of thing so they just go out of their way to get put lots of packaging so nothing gets damaged and there's no waste in that way so there is that but you know when you've got something that's sort of almost indestructible anyway and it's being packaged that way it's it just seems a bit silly but yeah anyway obviously i haven't got all the answers unfortunately for the environment um uh, but yeah I, I think on the whole it needs to be from top top down but consumers can have a role to play but i think we have far less power than we'd like to think we have you know, people always try and put it on 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 the on the small man and go. Well, if you just did this, then they wouldn't do that and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm I'm very skeptical of that sort of thing. Yeah, and obviously there's the whole the tragedy of the commons thing. You know, it's sort of like if one person starts doing it, like well, let's say if ten ten percent of the people really went out of their way to be environmentalists and do the right thing and yada 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 and, and treat the sort of uh, the country so it's called it's called just call it the uk or whatever in in the very best way they can the other 90 percent of the people were just they haven't got time to do that they're just not thinking about it so you know it is the classic tragedy of the commons the, the everyone else is messing up the commons for for themselves even so it's sort of um yeah i just think there needs to be more rules i like this I'm intrigued to ask about your civic mindedness then. So do you volunteer, give back? Again, I am. Yeah, no, again, I mean, I fully support all that sort of thing. And I am, again, a bit of a rubbish sort of person with actually doing anything about it. Um, I, I just blame it on time, which is I know it's a massive cop out. But uh, even, yeah, I'm I'm part time in that. But yeah, having a kid sort of takes up a lot of your time. However, um, I do try to give money charity and I've, I've really ramped that up in the last few years. I'm sort of donating 10% of my, one of my side hustles is match betting. Um, yeah. It can be quite lucrative. Uh, so I'm, I'm donating 10% of the profits um, to charity. I think I'm on about £2,500 this year has gone to charity wow. from that. So um, Just a charity? Yes, that's just a charity. Wow. So yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've done about 25 grand in profit. Mm-hmm. So, I like to think that's not too bad. <laughs> Put it that way. It's yeah, it's impressive. So you mentioned that as a side hustle. Do you have other side hustles as well, or how do you like to spend your free time? To be honest, I've gone through a few different side hustles over the years, and this is easily the best one I've I've come across personally for me. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but um, it's the most lucrative, and it, it involves the less time, least time. I know there's other ones out there, such as, you know, writing um, ebooks and things like that. Um, there's a guy called Hugh from um, Financially Free by Forty, who essentially became financially free way before forty by um, just writing books and, or not even writing them. He got other people to write them. You know, you can outsource that to people, but essentially having creating books uh, under his own pseudonym and selling them on Amazon Kindle and stuff like that. And yeah, he just absolutely smashed it out of the park. It's a massive time up front for that. And I just didn't have time to do that sort of thing. And I think ultimately, he, he, he once you've got to the point where you're smashing it out of the park, you probably do earn a ridiculous hourly rate and you don't have to put as much time into it. But it's the build up to that you need a lot of time to do. But in terms of if you just want to, put some time in and earn X amount of money relative to the time you put in match betting is, is a pretty high return on investment. 
but you, it's not really that scalable. Like you're not going to go from earning twenty pound an hour to after a year of it earning a hundred pound an hour. It just doesn't work like that. You've you've got to sort of put the hours in, um, and the profits just keep churning out. The more the more hours you put in, the more you earn. It's as simple as that. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm happy with that. In terms of other hobbies, I play golf very occasionally now. I used to play it a lot more, but again, time time is short. What's your handicap nowadays? It's not that. It never was that great. I'm 21, so I'm I'm not like the worst, but I'm nowhere near sort of uh, the best. But I can I can get around the course pretty well. So yeah, enjoy that. You know, it's it's just it's just a nice walk. People say it's like a, a nice walk, spoil or something like that, but. You know, it's, it gets you out there. It's relatively good exercise. You know, it's peaceful, chatting with your friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's quite sociable. So I do that. Um, I do squash, which is obviously far more intense and um, is, is a great workout. You always come out of a squash game feeling really good. And I do a bit of running, done the marathon twice uh, and do half marathons, stuff like that. So your half marathon times were rather good, weren't they? Again, I mean, there's some people... I'm better, I'm better than some people and there's other people who are like ridiculously better than me so yeah so it's all relative obviously but more importantly I think it's like I like what I, what I, like, I know you do a bit of running as well like do you like the sort of beating yourself aspect like that's what I love about it is trying to Im- improve my own times and just I just sort of race against myself sort of thing do you do a similar thing I used to but I sort of gave up this year <laughs> when the times went the wrong way but I think I might do that next year yeah, that's all right. that's the thing. You can always come back to it. Like it's not uh again, yeah, you know, I've done that plenty of times over the years. Like I've sort of got a little put a bit more effort in, got a little bit better, taken a few months off or whatever, or just not been out, not been out for a run as often as and then you go the other way and then I sort of think, Oh, I need to start running a bit more often and then come back the other way again. So yeah, I think it's just again, it's just one of those things that the more effort you put in the better you get and that that's the sort of endeavor that I like sort of thing really so that's what I like about it pb on the half is about 128 1 hour 28 and I got wow. I got 3 hours 28 in the London marathon last year so that is good not too bad but again there's plenty way way plenty of people that are better so yeah like again I don't like I say I'm not I'm not running against any other people I mean I don't I don't really know anyone who's around my standard like I know a few people that are far better than me and I know a few people that aren't as good as me so yeah I've not not really got anyone to actually run against that I know sort of thing but personally it's all about running against yourself yeah I'm a big fan of park run I don't know if you are yeah no I love it yeah it's uh we've got a local one it's a really tough one actually it's it's quite hilly uh I still haven't beaten 20 minutes on that um it's because it's well, a it's quite a tough one. It's not flat at all, and b it's re- it's quite busy. And I don't know about the one near yours, but people will obviously really try and get to the front to get a good time, which makes sense. But I'm sort of a bit like I can't really be bothered with that, so I normally hang back a bit and then just get caught up with the the crowd at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's um, I think I definitely can do a 5k in under 20 minutes i'm pretty sure i've done it but my local park run i have not done that yet so that yeah that's one achievement i could go for this year is just try to try to get that definitely probably a good time to have a think about society equality privilege and things like that how do you think the uk is nowadays are we more equal than we were in the past or I would imagine we are. I'm like, I like as a as a white man, it's, it's quite hard to obviously comment on that. I get, you know, the the feeling I get is that we are everyone is mo- way more sort of uh, interested in social justice and stuff like that, and they're, they're concerned about it, and there's more people fighting for it. So, which you know, obviously, I completely support, and it, it's a great thing. Um, but yeah, it's I don't really you know is i'm one of those people that i'm very lucky i've been born into the patriarchy as i, I know you'd probably say which is is obviously true and uh, and i'm white as well so i've never really suffered any sort of like uh bias against me in terms for going for a job or anything like that or yeah i mean obviously i've had people not like me for just random reasons but 
it's not for the color of my skin or my sort of uh whether i'm a man or a woman so uh yeah it's, it's well i mean what are your thoughts about it well it's interesting we've definitely it's definitely improved you know because it was a hundred years ago that only some women got the right to vote yeah i mean yeah on a large on a longer time scale it's it's clearly improved that's undeniable i just in your lifetime though what would you say because again i've I've genuinely not really thought about it until probably the last few years when it's 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 far more, that sort of thing's far more in the news nowadays. Yeah, I definitely say it's I suppose the idea of the patriarchy as well is something that went out of fashion in the seventies, but has come back into common everyday language in the last few years as well. And people are thinking about things like, do we treat people differently? Do we have these inherent biases and things that we perhaps didn't think about before? Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I mean, the the more it's spoken about, and um, the more I, I just think that you know, there's that whole Brexit thing of uh, a lot of people saying that people voted Brexit because they're essentially racist or xenophobic, whatever you want to call it. I'm not calling them that. I'm just saying that's what other people have said, just to make it clear. I don't want to put off any if we did vote for Brexit from listening to your podcast, but. That is what a lot of other people have said, um, which would be a shame if that was the truth. But I also think, especially from like our generation and below, you know, overwhelming majority of people, I think, see, you know, multiculturalism as, as good and obviously equal rights between men and women as good and, you know, gay rights and things like that as good. Like, it's just, it just seems like a no brainer to me. Hence, I've never really thought about it too much. Like I've never, yeah, I've, I've never been against anything like that. I just, I'm sort of a live and let live sort of guy. I just think everyone should be allowed to live the life they want to live as long as they're not, you know, hurting anyone else. And and that's the end of it. That's that's my personal stance on it. I just kind of wish everyone felt like that and we could all get along, basically. And, you know, there'd be rainbows and unicorns everywhere. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be <laughs> rainbows lovely. and unicorns all around. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of um, like privilege and stuff like that, you know, I, t- I totally sort of uh, do acknowledge that. And I've, I've written a, I wrote a blog post a few years ago actually called uh, What's Luck Got to Do With It? And it pretty much listed the reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have been born in this country and have the privileges, you know, have a, have a great set of parents that have brought me up and things like that. And, you know, I've just, I just think a lot of people who are, I'm not even moderately successful, I wouldn't say in terms of like the, the large scale, but, um, you know, I've lived a pretty good life and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky and stuff like that. But I just think a lot of people who are like wildly successful just think they've done it by skill and it, and that sort of thing really pisses me off. Like, you know, at least, you know, like taking it to the extreme, you know, like Donald Trump, you know, he just wouldn't admit that, like anything that has happened to him in his life and to get to him where it was, was due to luck. You know, like his dad just gave him 400 million pound or whatever it was. But no, apparently it's because he's an amazing businessman. You know, that sort of, that sort of attitude just, just annoys me really. I I think people should admit when they've been lucky in life and just say, and I don't see it as a sign of weakness. I think the reason why people don't do that is because they see it as a sign of weakness but personally, I just think it's being honest. You know, why Why wouldn't you just say, yeah, at the end of the day, I've worked my butt off. But, you know, on the other hand, I've been pretty lucky because of X, Y and Z. You know, everyone gets a lucky break here and there. And um, I, I think that's fine to admit that. Yeah, that's well said. I like it, Andy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I suppose we're on the topic of investments and making money. A good time to dive back into the money and think about how do you invest and why do you have a specific asset allocation or what do you do with all the money you're saving? Uh, okay, so it's, I've answered a lot of questions starting like this, which is starting to worry me now. But I'm a bit of a rubbish investor <laughs> in terms of like I'm very scatty. I don't have a set plan. It's definitely not what I would advise anyone else to do or what most people would advise you to do. Most people would advise you obviously to, you know, take your income, work out roughly what you can save every month, um, automatically cut off some of that and, and stick it in 
excuse me, stick it in your ISA or something like that. And um, that's probably what most people do in all fairness. But over my FI journey, which is a horrendous way to describe it, but um, it's the only word that really fits. But um, yeah, over my FI sort of time, I've been doing this. Yeah, I just think like my my income and expenses have been so all over the place. I just don't, I don't want to sort of just say I'm going to save a thousand pound a month or anything like that. Uh, there's genuinely been no month where that would have either been a good amount or a bad amount sort of thing, or, or sorry, there's no time where it's been the correct amount. Like sometimes I, I want to save 3000 pounds and sometimes I can't save anything or even negative because like, you know, we just had ridiculous expenses that month. Like, you know, say if you move house or something like that, it's, it's like a massive upheaval in your expenses. And it just seems to me that maybe we're weird, but I think in life things happen quite often where your expenses are all over the place. So what I do is just w- wait for an excess to build up essentially. Like, so I know what my savings rate is and I, I track all that in a, a, a thing in a spreadsheet and um i know what our net worth is and stuff like that but i don't mm-hmm. invest until i feel comfortable that we've got a bit of a excess in the bank account and then i just put a lump sum in so you're admitting you don't automatically invest yeah exactly yeah def- definitely don't automatically invest again i think I, I know most people probably do that so i think you probably should do that but i just it just doesn't work for my mindset like i don't I want to have a bit more control over it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't like the idea of it just automatically coming out and being invested and then it's gone. Like, I want to, I just, I just feel, I, I want to feel like I'm in control, even though I'm probably not. Like, you, you've got no idea what the market's going to do at all. So, I'm obviously not in control of that. You shouldn't try and time the market either. And that, that's not why I do it. It's more the fact that, yeah, I just want to see an excess in my bank account. You know, it's, it's almost like you, you have the emergency fund and all that sort of thing. Our emergency fund is undoubtedly way too big. Oh, really? I'll, I'll admit that. Part of the reason is because I'm sort of um, going back to the whole part-time thing and probably not going to, I don't think it will be uh, the, the sort of like the great situation for another five, ten years. I, I can only see it last in a year or two. And then that whole thing about going contracting is the reason why I'd like to have like, a much bigger emergency fund um or just like a living fund really like i don't want to stick all that in a in a sip where you can't touch it till i'm 55 or 57 or whatever it is now if i then actually quit my job decide to go contracting or even just go oh screw it i'll have six months off or whatever you know i want to have that flexibility to say look i've got 50 grand in the bank or or in easy to access sort of vehicles whatever you want to call it savings vehicles and um yeah and just not have locked that away that's that's what i want so but anything over and above that admittedly quite large emergency fund then yeah i'm, I'm happy to just stick stick that in a sip or an isa whenever i see fit cool i like that approach you're doing what works for you yeah in terms of again asset allocation no idea i couldn't even tell you <laughs> i just like most of the time, if I'm investing in the stock market, I'll stick it in that um, Vanguard World, um, All World ETF, and that sort of does your asset allocation for you, as far as I'm aware. Or there's the Life Strategy, which does a sort of, it's, it's very similar. I think it's way more weighted towards UK equities, and um, you can set your bond allocation in there as well. So that's if you wanted some, I'm pretty sure the ETF doesn't do bonds. But I'd have to check that, or you would have to check that. People listening would have to check that. So don't yeah, don't quote me on that. But I think the difference between the main difference between the two is that yeah, you can set your bond allocation on the life strategy funds. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've even dabbled with uh, cryptocurrencies, oh. which uh, is um, yeah, definitely wouldn't advise anyone to do that. And I, I think that's all we'll say on that subject. <laughs> definitely a gamble rather than an investment. Yeah, absolutely. And I knew that at the time. Um, it's still one of the investments which I'm sort of like hopeful that it is going to pay off long term. But obviously, I got in at the the hype point, mm-hmm. uh, not at the top, which was lucky, and not at the top. So, but um, I did get in way too late or 
yeah, or way too early, whatever you want to look at it. I should have either waited for the hype to die down and then had a dabble, or obviously I should have got in like a year ago, sort of thing. So I know you chronicle a lot of your income, your side hustles and your investments on your blog. Is there a particular niche of people you're trying to appeal to with your blog or who would you say it's suitable for? I mean, I may not, I may be way off with this, but I I really want to appeal to as many people as possible because I think a lot of um, it like sounds stupid. Like Mr. Money Mustache is obviously a massive website and gets ridiculous amount of hits more than mine does, but I still feel like he sort of like might rub people up the wrong way and sort of put put people off even thinking about financial independence so and it's just I, th- I just think it's like the tone of it it's like there's a bit of sort of like oh frugality is amazing and everyone else all that all the whole sort of like exploding volcano of waste sort of terminology like some people obviously it hooks in and that's great and it, it in all fairness it hooked me in as well so I'm definitely not having a go at that but I think on my own blog I, I just wanted to be a bit more chilled out and just say look you know, we can all just work on this together and just, you know, you don't have to save 80% of your income to reach FI. You know, if you do, great. But if you don't, you know, just make some changes to your life. Think about your own situation, you know, do what applies to your life and, you know, not to mine or to anyone else's. You know, it's just all about weighing it all up for yourself and then cracking on with it, really, I think. And, don't yeah i don't think anyone should be shamed for buying whatever they want to buy or you know there's a lot i think there's a lot of that on financial independence blogs is people being like oh god you bought an apple iphone you're an idiot that sort of thing i mean don't get me wrong i kind of agree with it but like i I don't really want to be the person to say that because like i've probably bought i bought plenty of stupid things that other people think are a complete waste of money and you know my wife buys things that I think are a waste of money and I buy things that she thinks are a waste of money and you know but we just sort of go well that's fine that's you know that's what you want to do and that's what I want to do and I think it kind of should be the same yeah so you're promoting personal choice and non-judgmentalness try to I mean look don't get me wrong like I say I've written plenty of rants on my blog over the years and I think definitely at the start I was definitely a bit more judgy but over the years I've sort of like I feel like I've chilled out a bit on that and just gone just try to have a more inclusive tone and just not that I'm scared of like uh, saying the wrong thing or anything like that. I just, I don't, I don't want to put people off just, and you know, someone that might have actually got caught onto the idea if they'd have just sort of had a bit, yeah, like I say, had a bit of a more of an inclusive tone. I just want as many people to be on board with the idea as possible, really. That's it. And I think if you're a bit judgy, a lot of people get put off from the get go. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. <laughs> but again, like I say, the definitely the judgy bloggers, bloggers, blog blogs, whatever, have definitely got a place because, like I say, it is loads of people love all that stuff. And to be fair, I do as well. Actually, you know, I love, I do love reading a rant, and I love, I love Mister Money's Mustache when he's going on about stuff like that, and it is, you know, it does fire me up and sort of thing. But I think a lot of people, he, cle- he clearly, he's very divisive. Like a lot of people, he clearly puts off the idea which is bad because now he's got to that sort of like fair enough he's got his cult following you know everyone's you know he's done talks about like building a cult like sort of thing so he, he's done that deliberately and that's fine but um now he's got such a massive following that maybe he i don't know i just think maybe he should change his tack a little bit and use his massive sort of reach to sort of actually get even more people on board with the idea i don't know i don't know maybe it will backfire and everyone go oh he's sold out he's gone soft and you know he'd end up being rubbish but um i don't know yeah i don't have the answers as usual yeah it's an interesting postulation what would help what would help him or hinder him with that marmite persona and obviously like yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't care about the money or anything like that. I, I just I you know I, I I would imagine he would just want to get the idea out there to as many people as possible because that seems to be his mission, which is great. And like you said, I, yeah, I suppose he would. His underlying mission is the whole environmental thing as well. So maybe he would be like, look, if I get soft on these people, they're still going to be 
driving their cars around too much and da 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 da, which is bad for the environment. So yeah, m- maybe that would be his his um, reply to that sort of my postulation that he should uh, soften up a bit. <laughs> so it'd be great to move on to the five questions we're asking everyone. Yep. Question is, what would you do with a one million pound windfall? Yeah, that's a good one because we we all recently blogged about that. Obviously, so I should be able to answer that quickly. Um, the obvious one was uh, initially was just to stick it all in Vanguard Wealth <laughs> Fund, call myself FI, quit my job, and then do what the hell I want, which was probably going to involve something along the lines of, mm-hmm. well, definitely chill out for a bit, maybe go on a few holidays. But then I think I'd definitely set up a business and do something involved in tech or maybe like mm-hmm. do a bit of angel investing or something like that. I think that'd be great fun. Um, and yeah, and with putting my own skills into the companies that I'm investing in sort of giving advice and stuff like that. I think that'd be really good fun. Um, and then I sort of went on a bit of a long, longer sort of spiel about exactly what I'd do with the exact amounts. And I think it involved in like, I don't know giving 10% away to charity or something like that. Um, definitely paying for my friends and family to have a, a decent holiday. Um, probably moving to a slightly bigger house, obviously not a ridiculous mansion, but, um, just, just getting a little bit more room, I think, um, would be great. Um, and mainly because if I quit my job and tried to do work from home and that sort of thing, I would definitely need an office. And we just haven't, even though I'm sitting in a room right now, I think we probably will have another child at some point. So the, the room I'm sitting in doing this is uh, probably going to be a baby room in a year or two. So I, w- I will not have a, an office, so to speak, in a year or two. But um, I judge... I'll, cross that bridge when we come to it um but if i had a million then we just move house and it'll good be answer good answer basically so on s- similar I mean on the money side when did you last update your financial spreadsheet it was probably roughly a month ago because we're getting towards the end of um october now so I, I only really look at it once a month just just after getting paid and update the spreadsheet for the month do all the expenses and income and then mainly because i do the Mm-hmm. monthly income and expenses report on the on the blog so I, I, i'd like to think i would still do it but um i definitely do it it gives me a bit of a kick up the bum to to get it done bit of accountability having the blog so yeah that's that's one good reason to have a blog yeah exactly yeah i, I think i would do it but like you say it sort of really really helps out with the motivation to actually bother doing it because it doesn't after the first sort of few months months of you've just built your spreadsheet and it's really exciting and you see the numbers going up does get a bit boring really doesn't it let's face it so people interested in fi (laughs) often find are very interested in learning and continual development can you share with us something it can be anything that you've learned lately nothing in particular but I've, i've i know you're a fan of the podcast yourself obviously you do one but i've read your um your posts on the blog about podcasts. I've just started listening to a few new ones on um, Spotify, <laughs> which I, I didn't even realise you could listen to them on Spotify. Yeah. So, I mean, that is a that's something I've learnt in itself, uh, and you can download them, which I always have to do because I've, I've got a work phone, <laughs> uh, but they're really stingy on the data allowance, and they, feel like they really have a go at you if you go over it. Um, so I mm-hmm. have to be really, really careful about streaming things when I'm out and about. So it's great to download those podcasts via Spotify and obviously your one was on there as well. So I downloaded that. Um, oh. But yeah, I've been listening to the Russell Brand one to that or? I've not listened to it for ages, no. I th- yeah, I think you'd like it because he's obviously a bit of a lefty. Um, can be a bit annoying, but I find him quite funny. But they had some great guests on there. They had uh, Al Gore the other day. Uh, well, not the other day. That's probably about a year ago. But I was going way back into the... Um, the archive sort of thing yeah they had Al Gore they had Naomi Klein which we'll see about um mm-hmm. she's obviously a big climate change sort of woman knows all about that and yeah so there's some really revolutionary ideas in general on that podcast so I felt like I've lot learned a lot in general from listening to that podcast I would say but yeah in terms of the the wider point absolutely love learning stuff and just new ideas and just trying to sort of, as well as ideas, like skills as well. I like, you know, if I try and 
get good at something uh, i'd really get into it and you know i suppose like cooking and stuff like that which i feel like the I've definitely good enough at cooking now, so I don't really learn anything new in that recently. But when I first started getting into cooking, I was well into that. Yeah, and the hobbies like squash and running and that, you know, just try and sort of get as good as I can at those. And um, just just reading around as, as diverse a set of subjects as I can. Like I, I love reading all the FI blogs, but I think you can only learn a certain amount by reading them. Or actually, no, that's a bit harsh. Uh I think by reading them, you will get links to lots of other things that are actually completely off topic, but really worth learning about. Um, because, because of the exactly what you said is that people are interested in FI, are interested in loads of different stuff and learning about that stuff. And they'll quite often just post links to their on their blogs about that stuff. But it's, it's nothing to do with financial independence. But, you know, you, they'll just drop a couple of links. Oh, this was interesting. That was interesting. And then you just end up going down, you know, the old, the classic internet hole of uh, four hours of your life's gone and you've just read like a hundred articles about flying planes or something like that. For flying planes? I mean, electric planes. Obviously planes fly, that's uh, that's a given. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just love the whole sort of, that whole ethos of just learning stuff, reading stuff. You know, like Warren Buffett um, reads like, 10 books a day or something ridiculous like that doesn't he you know he's attributed a lot of his success just to constantly reading yeah. stuff and and learning it i don't know how much of it i actually take on board but i like, <laughs> like reading put it that way <laughs> good habit to have i think yeah yeah so similarly as well as learning off of pain people are great at being reflective and looking at their life with the benefit of hindsight is there anything you'd like to have done differently if you look back at your life oh that's a tough one um i would say i don't i don't really re- believe in regrets on on the top level so i the easy answer would just be like no like i've had a good life i've not really done anything that stupid uh i don't think um but in terms of if i could i definitely could have like earned some more money or something like that or you know done a bit more to yeah, it boosts my income in the early years at least. So I guess I probably wish I had of, I don't wish I'd have done, I should have done is learned computer programming at a much younger age, like as in not after I got my first job. Yeah, I should have been learning that stuff before I got that job. And, you know, I could have probably been earning the sort of 50K a year five years earlier then. And then I'd have been like, well, well more on the, um, well, more, that's terrible, far more on the um, path to financial independence at an earlier age. However, having said that, I don't, you know, you, there's unforeseen consequences in all these sort of things. So if I was had more disposable income at a younger age, I may not have been as frugal and I might not have learned as better, as good frugal habits. So I might have just been the sort of person that's like, I just blow all my money and I don't care because I've got loads of money. So I don't think I would have been, but you never know. So it's, yeah, it's always a bit of a sort of, it's an an interesting theoretical question, obviously, but on the whole sort of whether I wish I'd have done that stuff or not, I definitely don't. I don't care. I've I've, I've done all right. So, you know. I like it. No regrets. Yeah, no regrets. Why why should you have any regrets? Yeah. So... (laughs) Finally, to end on a happy note, when are you at your happiest? Could you take us to your happy place? Um, yes, there's there's a few, I would say. Okay. Uh, you know, one is just sort of, it's really cheesy but it's and cliched, but it's true. Like, you know, it's when I'm with my, my child, my daughter, you know, giving her a nice cuddle, cuddling off to bed or just playing with her and chilling out at home can't beat it really or just in the park or going for a walk with her it's you know it's simple things but you know those are the things that often make you the happiest um yeah like say i love just being on the golf course and um like say that's really peaceful um or you know just it sounds really sad but just just sitting sitting on the couch with my wife just sort of chilling out like just being with being with us two it's it's nice yeah that sounds lovely yeah yeah, it's been great. Well, thank you yeah, so much for your time today. It was thank lovely. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no, it's been great. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all for today. 
Thanks for listening. Show notes are on the website www.ukfipod.space. You can also send any questions through the website or email at hello at ukfipod.space. Our intro and closing music is Julian Maxwell's Zia or Freedom. Thanks for listening. See you next time.